Luke chapter 22. Let me read verses 31 and 32 to begin. Jesus speaking, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So we look at the Bible, we find great encouragement in God's protection of His people. Psalm 37 reads, The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled down, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. The words of Christ in John 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And then our text tonight, Jesus instructs Peter that he has prayed for him, that his faith would not fail. Tonight I'd like us to, to leave this service with encouragement, to be encouraged to know amid Satan's temptations that God is preserving the faith of His elect. Based upon the text we read tonight, I want us to, first of all, notice Satan's demand. Secondly, Jesus' intercession. And third, Peter's faith. First of all, Satan's demand. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Satan is the arch enemy and chief adversary of God and God's people. We recognize that Satan is, is not God. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-wise. But he is, in fact, powerful. He is a real, personal, spiritual being who is a great adversary of our Lord and of us. And he has demons like himself that he is in charge in order to perpetuate relentless attacks against the saints of the Most High. We live in a, in a culture, in a setting in the West where this would seem superstitious to even believe that there is a Satan, that there is a devil, but the Bible is very clear. Satan does exist. Our ancient foe, he still today seeks to work us woe. His power and craft are great, and he's armed with, with cruel hate. Jesus said of Satan in John chapter 8 that he is a liar and a murderer. And that's the two great schemes that Satan seeks to use against God's people. He's a liar. He will use false doctrine. And he is a murderer. He will use persecution. We find Satan working in both ways in the world that you and I live in. He's a liar. False doctrine is prevalent in so many places, as well as persecution. We think of false doctrine tonight. We could easily think of Africa and the health, wealth, prosperity cult that is so prevalent. I got a message today from a Chinese pastor who is 
marked by the Chinese government. He is being watched very closely and recognizes that any time he could be detained or imprisoned. Satan is a liar. He is a murderer. And this fiend seeks to thwart God's purposes. He seeks to disrupt God's plan. In fact, as we look at chapter 22, it begins in a very ominous manner in verse 3. And Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve. Satan will devour Judas by inspiring unfaithfulness and promoting apostasy. And now he sets his sights on the remaining eleven apostles, including the apostle Peter, in order to destroy their faithfulness. What we must understand tonight is that Satan longs for the ruin of God's people. And he craves our destruction. He is in fact like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Satan is a deceiver. He goes out to deceive the world. He's it is said of him in, in Revelation. Or Peter would even say that I, I, Paul would say, I've longed to come to you, but Satan has, has hindered us. That was a messenger of Satan that was sent to Paul to buffet him. So he's a real spiritual adversary. And here Jesus says that, that Satan, he, he desires to sift you like wheat. To sift was a way of, of violently shaking grain in order to separate the wanted elements from the unwanted material. That's the picture that Jesus is using to illustrate. This very violent shaking by Satan. Satan's design was to separate Peter from Christ by violently shaking his soul in temptation. And don't think tonight that Satan does not seek to arrange circumstances in, in our lives, in your life, in order to crush us under the weight of disappointment so we will turn our backs on God or wrongly conclude that God has turned His back on us. Satan desires to pick you apart and leave your life scattered into numerous pieces. The image here that Jesus uses suggests destruction. Satan desires to destroy you. You, the apostles, including you, Simon. And tonight, there is nothing that Satan craves more than, than your destruction. For you to turn your back on God. For this church to be filled with infighting and bickering and destruction. So that's, that's rather sobering this evening, isn't it? Satan, he has destroyed Judas, and now he sets his, his attack. He, he sets his efforts against the other apostles. He's destroyed Judas now. Now Simon in particular will be in the very bullseye of of Satan. So that's very sobering. 
And yet, listen to the words of Christ, Jesus' intercession. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But, did you catch that in verse 32? But, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. In particular, he is saying Satan desires to have all of you apostles. And there's a special way in which Jesus says, Peter, Simon, I've, I've, I've prayed especially for you. To intercede means to ask for something, to ask request. And here we find our great high priest working, interceding for Simon. When we think about Jesus, we recognize in his great work of redemption both how he acts as a priest, offering himself as a sacrifice. He offered himself to God as a sacrifice that our sins might be forgiven. He is the great one who was offered like an unblemished sheep so that we might receive forgiveness. He died on the cross as a propitiation in order to satisfy God's justice. Christ, however, is not only our priest who has offered Himself as a sacrifice to God, but He is also our great High Priest. So that you and I can sing, when the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. And God does that. And one way that God keeps us, holds us, is through the great intercession of our Savior. Because He not only prayed for Simon, He prayed for all of the apostles. In John chapter 7, the the great high priestly prayer of our Savior is is documented for us. And Jesus would say to His heavenly Father, in John 17, verse 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. He's praying for His apostles, for His disciples, that they would be kept. In the hour of temptation, they would be preserved. Jesus is our great high priest. If you remember reading in the Old Testament concerning the the high priest, that he had stones with the names of Israel engraved, and they were carried on both his shoulder and over his heart. That's our high priest tonight. He is able to carry his people upon his shoulders because of his great ability as our mediator, the God-man. Oh, and blessed Jesus, our high priest, also has our names upon his heart, his willingness. That is our intercessor this evening. He has both the ability, he is our daysman, our mediator, as the God-man. He meets with God on our behalf. And He's also willing, so willing to save us and to keep us. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is is 
assuring us that this great work of salvation that God has purposed will be brought to fruition. So we ask a series of rhetorical questions in in the latter portion of Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Listen to that beautiful expression from from the hands of, of Paul. Arguing from the greater to the lesser, if if he's been delivered over for us all by God, shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Most certainly he will. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Then verse 34, who is the one that condemns? And he gives us four reasons why we are not condemned as God's people. First of all, Christ Jesus is he who died. He died in our place. Yes, rather, he was raised. Jesus was raised from the dead. He was delivered for our offenses, raised again for our justification. Thirdly, who is at the right hand of God, the the session of Christ. He rules and he reigns at the right hand of God. And then fourthly, who also intercedes for us. He's making intercession for us. Be encouraged in the midst of Satan's temptations to know that God, through His Son's interceding for us, is preserving our faith. Jesus' intercession. Again, in Hebrews chapter 7, listen to the words. Find comfort in these great words concerning Christ, our high priest. Romans, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, because Jesus is our our permanent priest, our eternal priest, therefore He is able. That in itself, what a, a mighty expression. What do you believe tonight about salvation? I believe that God is able. He is able also to save us forever, or save us to the uttermost, to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. He is able, God is able to save them completely and fully and finally. All those who draw near to God through Christ, because Christ forever lives to intercede for us. Christ is our great high priest, is interceding on the basis of what he has accomplished redemptively in order to secure for us grace, to provide for us mercy and strength and support. Just imagine if we could take the liberty to do so. As, as Jesus intercedes for Peter, Father, your son Peter, so full of himself, so full of pride, keeping. Father, Satan's attacks are real and they're powerful. Simon, your son is no match for him. Oh, Father. Preserve him. Father, Satan 
is desiring to have your Son. Oh, give Him strength. Father Simon has no idea of what he's about to be faced with. Preserve his faith, O oh Father. The Father says, yes. Yes. Yes, my son, I will do all that you ask. Jesus' intercession. See, the, the temptation that the disciples are experiencing, it, 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 it comes following a great victory that they had experienced. Jesus would say of His disciples in Luke 22, verse 28, You are those who have stood by Me in My trials. And yet they are about to face a very deep, dark trial. Jesus has warned them in Luke 21, 36, but keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Keep on the alert. And then that follows Luke 22. Satan wants to sift you as wheat. What a very sober warning. And yet Satan, I mean, um, Simon Peter is, is, is oblivious to his need of, of, of God's help. So he responds in Luke 22, verse 33, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. If, if Peter is going to be kept, it must be God. God must come to his aid. God must rescue him from his pride and his ignorance. So was Peter true to his word? Well, later in the chapter, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke twenty-two thirty-nine, and he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him, when he arrived at that place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now coming on the heels of the warning, certainly the disciples, they are, they are energized and they are ready to spend all night in prayer. Let's see. Verse 41, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus would go back and pray. He would return and the disciples fallen asleep again. So Jesus must not only pray in order for strength to endure the temptation, his, his prayers must also bring the disciples through temptation as well. Jesus' intercession. And then third, we see Peter's faith. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, 
But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you are strengthened or when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter's faith. Christ prays that his faith would not fail. It would not cease. It would not die out. Now that's not to say that Peter does not stumble and fall. He does. He does just as Jesus said that he would. So Jesus is arrested in Luke 22, verse 54. Having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But Peter denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I am not. After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter, listen to this, remembered the word of the Lord how he had told him before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. The rooster reminded Peter of what Jesus had said. Notice how, how God is preserving Peter's faith through the intercession of Christ, but also through the Word. The Word. The Word was a reminder. The Word, this is what Jesus said. And Simon is filled with, with contrition. And he went out and he wept bitterly. A godly sorrow that works salvation. Peter's faith, he, he did in fact. He fell, but he was not hurled down. He temporarily fell, but not finally. And it was owing to the, the power of God, the grace and mercy of God. Jesus prayed that his faith would not fail. See, Satan was seeking to destroy Peter's faith, his confidence in, in God. And Satan seeks to destroy our faith. See, God, however, in His sovereignty, He will use Satan's sifting of Peter so that the chaff of self-confidence might be separated so that his total confidence will rest in Christ. See, Satan's goal was not to humble Simon, but God in His sweet providence would even use the the evil of Satan in order to humble his servant to make him more faithful. Now this might raise a question, probably not here tonight where you understand grace, but someone might ask, what about Judas? Was his faith preserved? It's not a question of whether his faith was preserved. It's did Judas have faith to begin with? I think not. Not true saving faith. However, God used Judas' betrayal as a means 
to Christ's arrest and His death. God in His sweet, wise providence would use Peter's denial to humble him and prepare him for greater service. Peter needed to be humbled of his self-confidence. So God overrules even the wicked designs of Satan for holy and good purposes. Jesus' prayer was indeed answered. There's a statement that's made that helps us to know that it would be kept, his faith would be kept. Verse 32, but once you have turned again, once you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Deep contrition. And then, after the resurrection, our Savior would appear to him. He would recognize Jesus as Lord, as God, as Savior. And God would use Peter to strengthen his brothers, to to inwardly confirm and help them. Even as you read through the book of Acts, Peter is strengthening the brethren. Acts chapter 1. He stands up, quoting from the Psalms about Judas' betrayal and how one must be chosen to take his place. Acts chapter 2, he's standing up preaching the gospel. God was mightily using him. His faith was preserved. Acts 3, after the healing of the lame man, Peter proclaims Christ as the only way of, of salvation. Aren't you thankful tonight that That God is a God that can use broken vessels. Even David, after his horrible sin, would write in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joys of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach sinners, I will teach wrongdoers your ways and sinners will be converted to you. I want us to be encouraged tonight. Yes, to be, to be alert, to be sober, to be vigilant. Satan does seek to attack and destroy us, but also to be encouraged. To know that we are the people of God and the faith that God has created in our soul, He's promised to preserve. Let's turn over to a couple of passages in closing in, in 1 Peter. Think about 1 Peter. This epistle, this letter was written by Peter maybe 30 years after the temptation. Chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His mercy, His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain... Listen, for the people of God, we have an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. These are reservations, my friends, that will not be lost. God has reserved for us an eternal inheritance. It will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. However you might be thinking tonight, you might be played with doubt and say, yes, The inheritance is secure in heaven, but I'm here on earth. And so often, temptations and trials surround me. I'm so far from heaven. 
How do I know I will arrive? Verse 5, you are protected by the power of God, the same power of God that converted you. It's the same power, my friend, that upholds you. You are protected by the power of God through faith. In the midst of doubts and discouragement, God, by His power, is preserving the faith that He's created in the souls of His elect. And even though we might be plagued from time to time for a season with doubt, the, the, the power of God, it buoys us up and maintains our faith so that you and I continue to trust in Christ and depend upon Him. We're kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's our encouragement. In the midst of temptation, even Satan's attack, God is keeping us. Keeping us. Christ is praying for us. Now again, think of 1 Peter chapter 5 in light of what Peter had experienced, what Peter knows. In verse 7, casting all your anxiety on Him. Casting all of your care upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. You say, if God cared for me, why would I have anxiety? Or why would I have trouble? Why would I have sorrow? Why would I have affliction? Well, that's a big question that I don't have time to answer tonight or even to attempt, but this I know. He cares for you. He cares for you. We forget that sometimes as Christians. We need to be reminded. We need to remember the cross. He cares for us. Is that not the great reminder? What about in my affliction? It seems like it seems like he doesn't care, but he does. How do you know that? Because the Bible tells me. My faith is grounded upon God's divine revelation. He cares for you. You say, my life stinks right now. God cares for you. Your situation, don't try to to gauge God's care for you based upon your circumstances. He cares for you. So cast it upon Him. He can bear it. How can I cast my cares upon Him? Through prayer. Through prayer. Then in verse 8, be of a sober spirit. Be on the alert. Right? So we know God is preserving our faith as His elect, but but it doesn't mean that we're indifferent. We're not casual. We're we're to be on the alert. We're to be of a sober spirit. Here's the reason why. Your adversary, the devil, he's a real personal being, the devil. He's your adversary because you belong to God. And he's wanting to to wrap his long tentacles around you. He would like nothing better to take you to hell with him. To cause you much sorrow, pain, discomfort. He wants you to doubt God's love for you. He wants you to doubt that that God is for you. See, He's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. 
to destroy, to gulp you up entirely. But, verse 9, resist him firm in your faith. Resist him with, with the truth of God's word. Resist him by, by trusting what God has said in his word. Your confidence is in God. Again, my faith seems to be so fragile. Chapter 1, God is preserving your faith by His power. He continues to give us strength and the ability and inclinations to continue to trust in Him. So resist Him, firm in your faith, have confidence in God. So it's, it's not so much about how, how big and robust your faith is, it's how big and glorious God is. Weak faith still has as its object God, a big God. And it's that faith that enables us to resist Him, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself perfect, perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He'll do that. That gives us confidence and encouragement. How, how, how should we respond tonight to such a message as that? To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. With praise and worship. Oh, friends, did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is He. Lord Sabbath is His name. From age to age the same. And He must win the battle. Did you get that? He must. He must win the battle. And though this world with the devil's field should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed. What has God? What has God willed? His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Oh, friends, tonight, be encouraged to know amid Satan's temptation, God is preserving the faith of those that have trusted in him. Have you trusted in him? Have you relied completely upon Christ? Oh, cast yourself upon Him tonight, knowing that all who come to Him, He will receive and save. And if you have come to Him, know that this faith that He has created in your heart, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. This, this work of grace in your heart, forming and creating faith in Christ is a faith that, that God has determined to preserve, to preserve to the very end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for so many sweet promises. God, it's so easy to, to cast our eyes off of you and to look itself and to the world and we just become a mess, God when we do that. And yet we thank you, God, that tonight, those of us that 
have believed in You. Our testimony is to this very hour, we continue to love You because of Your keeping power. So Father, please help us to be encouraged to know of Your great love, Your great purpose for Your people. And in that light, God, help us to be sober, to be vigilant. God, to resist temptation by faith. Father, would you please hear us tonight? God, please preserve our souls to that eternal kingdom, we pray in Christ's name. And amen.